It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now... Here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Talent Talk. Uh, we've been off for the last couple of weeks. I ran off a little uh, excursion into Europe and came home with the flu. But uh, hopefully my voice is uh, clear enough for you as we move forward today. Now, Talent Talk really um, was created and developed out of this idea of talking to really smart people who are doing awesome things with talent, who are really talented themselves, and that we might have the privilege of hearing what they have to say, um, asking them great questions, and hopefully learning from them and taking back something to our companies or our own lives that we can use right away or hopefully down the road. Um, you know, uh, this year I've been really proud that I was able to release my first book, which turned into a bestseller, The Power of Company Culture. And the, the, the book is really a collection of these stories, of these things that we've talked about here on this show um, that some of our fabulous leaders have brought to our attention and their stories. Um, and I've just been so proud uh, of, of everything they've talked about and that we've been able to bring it back to everyone in a different format. You can look for that on Amazon. Talent Talk is live here every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can also access us, most people do, via our podcast after the fact, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, talenttalkradio.com. Over 10,000 people a day are coming in, downloading a podcast, uh, and listening to the show. Big thank you to everyone who's following the show regularly. All right, if you have any questions uh, for one of my guests, uh, you can send them <clears throat> excuse me, via Twitter and tweeting your question uh, using the hashtag uh, talent talk, but sending it to at people G2. My producer, Mike, will try to feed me in the best questions. We'll work them in the show. But let's go ahead and get to my uh, first guest, uh, David Zinger. He's a speaker on engagement uh, and a consultant, as well as the chief engagement officer of David Zinger & Associates. Um, my second guest after the commercial break will be Lori Shaw, the vice president of HR at Total Vision. But let's go ahead and bring David in the show. David, welcome. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, being on our show today. Thank you for the invitation. Well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your company, what you're doing, and what's relevant for us to know here as we begin this conversation today. I'm really focused on work. My background's in counseling psychology. I was an employee assistance counselor for Seagram Distillery for 15 years, the uh, world producer of Crown Royal. Uh, I've been around the workplace for 40, 45 years now and really want uh, to see work uh, function better for people. I think work can make us well and uh, engagement plays a big role in that. You, it sounds like you've had a, a great career uh, and one that's still going strong, but when did you kind of decide that maybe employee engagement was the area for you to focus on? 
You know, there was a article by William Kahn in 1990. I, I remember this back from psychology on personal engagement. And he talked about uh, psychological safety, meaningfulness, and availability. And I was, I was struck by it. It was a study of camp counselors and, I believe, architects. I thought it was a great term. I really like the term engagement and uh, started to attend to it. And then, lo and behold, the workplace started to embrace engagement. Uh, I prefer the words personal engagement or work engagement to employee engagement. Uh, but that's, that's a personal choice more than anything. And, and employee engagement is the accepted term. I, I like that, too. Personal engagement kind of adds a new layer to it, right? Because that really is what has to happen. We have to, each employee, each person has to make that choice themselves. If they're on the right bus, are they going to move along with the company? Are they in the right place? And, you know, are they happy and, and energized to do their best work? And that is a personal decision, right? I mean, it's a lot has to do with that person that the company cannot control. They can do a lot to influence it. They can do a lot to, to make sure it's as the best it can be. But it is a personal choice, right? Yeah, it, it, William Kahn said it's, it's bringing who you are to your work. Uh, so that is personal. I, I fully support the contention that, that engagement, uh, it's a personal responsibility. Uh, we are past the age where engagement is something a company does to you or for you and maybe even with you. Um, it's yours. Uh, hopefully it goes with you through your career and and. Companies and organizations offer environments and places that allow that engagement, that work to come forward. I mean, engagement is always about something specific, so it's it's defining what that is. So I know in looking you up that you believe engagement is good work done well with others every day. So can you talk about what that means for companies that are looking to maybe perhaps understand more about what they can do? Uh, better or or how they can apply that to their own engagement strategies? I wanted engagement to be simple. You know, I get in front of a lot of groups of employees and still to this day, employee engagement sounds like jargon to them. But if they hear good work done well with others every day, uh, distilled to eight words, most people can understand that. I'm not a fan of great work. Uh, I think we're so much into hype and hyperbole that we're doing a disservice. Uh, you know, if you call yourself a great workplace, uh, it's not always great for everybody. Different people have different experiences. And, and you may be creating what I like to call iatrogenic disengagement. You're you're calling yourself something that someone isn't experiencing and think, oh, they think they're so great and that's not so great at all. Good good to me implies a level of work, but also a, uh, a contribution to work. You, when you do good work, uh, it's not just the quality of the work, it's the contribution of the work. Done well, good work can make you well. I really do believe we can find well-being in work, and it shouldn't be some sort of extra wellness program. I'm not opposed to wellness programs. Great, fantastic. But but uh, find, find well-being inside the tasks and the relationships of work uh, with others. We're all working with others. Uh, relationships matter. You want to know about a person's happiness? Don't worry so much about gender or socioeconomic status. Really look at uh, their relationships with family, with coworkers, with friends. And and every day, 
I've gone even a little further than every day in the last uh, year. I'm really focused on the moment, moment-to-moment engagement. How do you how do you really put yourself into that moment? And you know, I don't engage for two years, so you can't survey that. I, I I'm not fully engaged for a day, so you can't survey that. But moment-to-moment during the day, my engagement changes. So I really like that focus on the moment. Yeah, and, and as you began to describe that about the sort of perceptions that maybe one party is thinking one thing and one is thinking another, kind of maybe we think about, you know, being on a first date. You might have one person thinking, this is the person I'm going to marry, and the other person's thinking, when will the date be over? <laughs> you know, and but the difference here is that um, the, the, the groups involved aren't quite as free to, you know, go on a date. This is a bit more of a commitment, and we have paychecks and families and responsibilities and... Uh, boards of directors and all these other pressures and things that come into play to these relationships. So, you know, I guess really helping people determine, uh, I guess, where they're at, right? Are, are they are, are they the person who's in love or are they the person who wants to run away? I guess in that, that, that scenario is super important. Um, do, do you think that the complexity of all these other things in our lives get in, get in the way of us making that decision early on and maybe opting in or out? as employees or as as managers in seeing employees that maybe should be opted in or opted out in kind of getting in the way of this you know engagement equation you put it so well chris that's it's a, it's a dilemma cuz uh, the experience of work and engagement changes once again back moment to moment and because you have a few bad moments do you exit out of a relationship or an organization uh, hopefully not and there's realities of mortgages and children and what are the other employment opportunities outside of there so so in one framework if you think about engagement being um how you bring yourself to what you do, uh, to your tasks, to your relationships, to your well-being, to your career, it's portable. You know, many people are engaged in one organization. If they move to another organization, they're engaged there. Many people are disengaged in one organization, thinking they will find engagement in the next organization, or lo and behold, disengaged there. Uh, so I, I, I really think we need to do a better job of, of educating all individuals and employees of how to engage and what it means and and what's the benefits for them we're we're not we're not doing engagement to suck more work out of people if if that's the purpose of engagement then i don't want to be on that bus or anywhere near that bus just go um that's that's not part of how i'm going to work but if you talk about my relationships to work and to the people i'm working with and to our customers and clients and the services we're offering uh, i want a part of that yeah, and, and this is a, a great uh, sort of point to make that, you know, especially uh, in engagement, but probably in any personal interaction, what's in it for me or what's in it for you is a question that has to be answered. Um, and, and we ask our employees to go and do things or to be excited about things or whatever it may be. And if we haven't answered that question in some way, um, we tend not to get the results that we want. And yet, I see time and time again in companies that I help, they seem surprised by this. <laughs> um, of course, I, they're looking for what they can get, but yeah, that's another right, matter, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's just a simple, you know, ask yourself, what will the employees get out of this? And if the answer is absolutely nothing, well, maybe you can't, you know, expect this thing to, to go as big as you might want. Well, there's a, there's a lot happening in the world. Um, who knows where our economy may or may not be headed 
um, and how our you know the, the the job market seems to flux between a you know a buyer's market and a seller's market. So where do you see the future of employee engagement going? Uh, it's like the proverbial cowboy that got on the horse and rode off in all directions at once. Um, some organizations are embracing it with authenticity and a robustness, and it's making a difference. Some have abandoned it long ago. Uh, there's a lot of focus now on, on the employee experience. And, I, you know, my background's in psychology, so experience means a lot to me. Uh, the fundamental definition of learning is a change resulting from experience. So when I saw that come on board, I was... I was quite interested, but but I think a lot of times it, it's gotten back again. It was what do we do to an employee or for an employee uh, to give them the experience and neglect the the role that the employee has of their own experience. I I really want employees to have an experience of work that's engaging and makes a difference for themselves, for their family, for their workplace, and for others. And it's not going to do that every day, but if the bulk of moments do that, then we're uh, we're well on their way. So it. It's, it's clear across the board. My concern is, is that many have abandoned engagement thinking it didn't give them the response they want. And I don't think they went deep enough into the, the personal and relationship elements of it. I, I don't think we've gone deep enough in, in helping people be personally responsible. Just one quick, quick comment here. You know, we do these engagement surveys. They're anonymous. We're telling people we don't want to know who they are, but companies say to me, well, we do that so people can be honest. Well, if people can't be honest without being anonymous, then you've got a bigger psychological safety issue than an engagement issue. And frankly, if I, if I want to change my engagement, I need the feedback. I should be the first person to get feedback about my engagement level. And it shouldn't be a punishable offense if I'm disengaged. It should be the trigger for a conversation, darn it. Sorry. <laughs> no, and I and I agree. And so, you know, but it's it's difficult because you I, I do have people that no matter how much how much trust there is in the organization, they may have trust with me, but maybe they don't tr they have okay, where will this information go and how it will be used. So uh, I know in our surveys, we certainly say we'd love to know who you are, right? We'd love, we give them the option, but we don't make it mandatory either, right? If they want to give us as anonymous, they can That's sort of both ways, but it is difficult. Um, we have this with, in fact, with, I'm less concerned about with my employees than I am with my clients. When we do client surveys. We almost have to, it seems we get much higher results if we allow it to be anonymous, um, but I really don't want it to be. I only want to really know who they are, so I can go back and have a conversation with them, um, and and you know figure out how to do more of what we're doing right, or figure out how to fix what we're doing wrong, or whatever it may be. So, if you, if you figure out how to fix that, or what the magic bullet is, I'd love to know. So, it, I, I know what the magic bullet is, but it's not easy. It's simple. It's psychological safety. An employee must know you care about them and care about what they're interested in, even if you don't agree with it, and that caring has to be authentic it has mm -hmm. to be it has to be real and it has to be perceived and, and have a felt sense for that and employees aren't necessarily going to trust you they're going to have to test you but if you pass some of those tests you you start to move in that direction that's that's a tall order and i'm an idealist but i'm not going to give up on that ideal because uh darn we need we need more uh safety and without safety you really aren't going to get a the levels of engagement you might be looking for. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, it's uh, 
regardless of how you collect that data, having that authentic uh, psychological safety is, is going to be super important. Uh, I know you focus in on your employee engagement uh, strategies is really based on this ABCs of engagement. Um, I could take probably a few bad guesses of what that uh, acronym might stand for. So maybe you could share with us what are the ABCs uh, that companies should be thinking about uh, and paying attention to? Well, I think they already are. Uh, A is for achieve results. Uh, without results, engagement is just superfluous. Engagement has not very little to do with pizza parties, going bowling, having nice outings. Um, that's icing, and that's nice. I like it. I like going out for a drink after work. Don't get me wrong. That's that's a nice thing. Uh, but it's got to be focusing on the results you're trying to achieve. And B is build relationships. And and you know. I, you're probably familiar with David Rock, but he did a study of 60,000 managers. This is oh, about 10 years ago across Australia, the UK, Canada, United States. He wanted to see how many managers were good at both results and relationships. And out of 60,000, the number was 642. So we have a, he would call it a neural seesaw in our brain, or the part that goes for results is struggling with relationships, and the part that struggles with relationships struggles uh, with results. And, and that's one of the reasons I've gone to moments, because you can, you can seesaw from moments uh, into results or relationships. C is for cultivate well-being. Work can make you well. You know, when you have positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaningfulness, accomplishments, and you're working on your strengths, all things that are embedded in work itself, uh, that also cultivates well-being. So I often have this uh, phenomenon that companies that I notice want to work on engagement and want, uh, you know, will bring in a consultant or bring in someone to help them, they typically are the B-plus, A-minus students, right? They, they're looking to get that just a little bit better. Um, and it's very, very uh, rare that the, the companies that could really use the most help, right, the D students, I would call them, or the F students, ever ask for this, this help. But if, if you were dropped into one of those organizations that were really struggling with this uh, and they were open to it, where, where do you start? Where do you think that companies are really, you know, struggling initially is it is this from the from the leadership is this a top-down problem is this you know a systemic problem that they just haven't really developed their culture where would you really look to to maybe whip them into shape first oh boy whip and tops i don't know um <laughs> You know, our language runs into difficulty when we talk about tops and bottoms. I mean, you get you get CEOs to say, "Well, it all comes down to the bottom line." No, it doesn't. Standing behind the below the bottom line are all the people holding it up. I guess I've made my decision. Um, uh, I want to talk to individual employees and that, and, and recognize the CEO is an employee themselves. Um, and and I, I think it's, it's about taking moments and, and working from one perspective at the other. I've, I can work with skeptics. I can't work with cynics. And people often ask me, well, what do you mean? I don't understand. How do you differentiate? I said, it's quite easy. A skeptic doesn't take what I say on face value. They're going to test it. And that's ideally what I want you to do is test these things out and see if they work or make sense for you. A cynic will not be skeptical of their cynicism. 
And if you can't park your cynicism for even three minutes, um, then you're in, in grave, grave difficulty. So I, I will not work with cynics. Uh, I'll just say, no, you're wasting my time, you're wasting your time, and I, I don't have enough time to, to do that anymore. So I, I'm quite willing to call what I see and say, look, I, I, I don't think you really want to, to do engagement. So for for gosh sakes, don't. Don't don't start to wrap things up under the name of engagement that is disengaging and creating problems and then make the whole term engagement even worse. Yeah. Uh, I, I love your term of the, the, the cynic. Uh, I often I talk to people and if they keep telling me, but but I know I have a problem, you know. Um, yeah, that's all great. But not in our, you know, no, okay, you're not ready. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, well, uh, some of the kind of fun questions we love to ask our guests each week. Uh, is there an app or a gadget or something you've added to your, your life this year that you could share with us? Not this year, but a few years previously, and it's the most simple of gadgets or whatever. It's the timer on my phone. I, I realize I can engage for 11 minutes, 11 seconds. That's my I, that's what I call my E-zone. And so I set my timer 20, 30, 40 times in a day, and I, I get into that task or that call or that relationship. I'm focused on it while it's on. And when the 11 minutes and 11 seconds are over, the timer goes off. I can acknowledge I made a little bit of progress and uh, it's never quite enough time. Uh, and there's a level of specificity to it. It could be 10 minutes, it could be 20 minutes, but it's just something that, that works really well for me. Now, things like this conversation, it's bound up by 25 minutes or whatever, so I'm not using a timer in that situation. I'm not using it all the time. But for, for work that matters and work that it's hard to get to, it's a really good approach. Uh, it is a great approach, and there's a lot of different strategies on timers, but just using one and getting yourself in that mindset and then giving yourself that moment to not do anything or to take a break or whatever is huge. Uh, what about books? Is there a book you're reading right now or one that you typically share with, with people? You know, I've gone back to a book from 1972, um, Studs, Studs Turkle on Working. Uh, where he interviews people working. Studs was a brilliant interviewer. Um, and he's collected his interviews, or a lot of in interviews in a book called Working. You know, all this, who, who, ah, employee experience, who, who, wow, 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 and it's all like a shiny new toy. Go read Studs, Turkle, 1972, and you'll get the best view of employee experience uh, bar none. So I've gone back to it, and, and you know, as I read it, because I read it in the 1970s, uh, as I read it, in the year 2018, it's different because I'm changed. So I, I'm really enjoying uh, going back at that, even though some of the work experiences are a little dated for people. Right, right. Well, it sounds like a fascinating book. I appreciate you suggesting it. Uh, how can people get a hold of you and learn more about working uh, with your company? Uh, easiest way is just to email me, david at davidzinger.com. I, my fourth book called People Artists, How to Draw the Best in Others at Work. I've got a PDF copy beautiful book. I did it in conjunction with the CEO who's also an artist. If people email me and want the book, uh, I'll just send them a PDF copy. It's about four or five megabytes or whatever. It's not even that large in size. So uh, it's a way to extend uh, beyond of how we draw the best in others. So that's that's a good way to get in touch. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your great insights into leadership, engagement, personal engagement, uh, and so many other things that you're focused on. It was uh, great to have you on. You do good work, Chris. Keep it up. All right. Thank you. I'm going to take a quick commercial break and be right back with my second guest, Lori Shaw. 
Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. If you missed my first guest, David Zinger, you can listen to his interview here in a few weeks. We'll turn that into a podcast on iTunes and iHeartRadio. You can even go to TalentTalkRadio.com, find us there, Podbean, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, we're probably there. Just look for Talent Talk, all one word. So my next guest uh, is Lori Shaw, the Vice President of HR at Total Vision. Um, as a reminder, don't forget to tweet your questions, whether it's live or if it's after the fact, that's okay, too. We keep the conversation going forever. Um, send it to at people g 2 Use that hashtag, all one word, Talent Talk, and we can keep it going. So uh, Lori, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me. Thanks, Chris. I'm happy to be on today, so thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and I appreciate your flexibility. Lori was supposed to be live in the studio today, and as was I, but uh, as I mentioned, came down with the Italian flu. So I am uh, just getting back uh, back on my feet and here for the show today, so I appreciate your flexibility. Sure. Well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself uh, and your new role at uh, Total Vision? Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this because I have been an HR leader for about 28 years now, uh, dating myself a little, but um, almost all of my experience has been in healthcare, um, but I have not worked um, in the optometry and ophthalmology business. So um, I was really excited to join Total Vision a few months ago, um, and the future is, is exciting here with us bringing on a bunch of new groups, um, and we're hiring some really uh, talented people from the market. So I'm most excited uh, to talk more about it. So just a couple things. It's really what Total Vision is, is a group of already successful independent practitioners of optometry. Um, and so they were they were successful before they became part of us, and now we're hoping to take that to the next level. Uh, they're all really aligned towards a, a goal of providing best-in-class eye care, um, which is exciting. And then the other part of our team um, is we're hiring some really great business people um, so that we can have our physicians, our optometrists, focusing on what they do best, which is patient care and taking care of our team members. So we're building our team, um, and we'll continue to do that in the next few months. 
And then the, the final part that's really exciting and fun is that we have a very supportive financial partner. It's a private equity firm. Um, they've been very supportive with both capital and um, our really ambitious growth plans. So a lot to be excited about there with this new company. Yeah, and so uh, you began to talk about uh, your extensive background in healthcare. You know, maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience with uh, employee and physician engagement. Um, I think this is, you know, healthcare-related engagement is really unique and really special. Um, both, I think there's some really exciting and wonderful things happening. There may also be some challenges there as well. So maybe you could kind of talk about your, your background in that. Yeah, and it's a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I'm probably more passionate about this than than anything. Um, and it's one of the reasons I'm excited to join Total Vision because I'm back in a setting where I'm partnering with physicians and employees. Um, but there's always certain experiences, Chris, as you know, in our career that really kind of stand out for us. And one of the most rewarding experiences I had was actually with a large medical group in Minnesota we had about 130 primary care physicians and they were at all these different uh, physician practices um, and they really wanted to be a physician-led organization but they weren't there yet and they really lacked a vision and quite frankly there was fractured relationships everywhere and and the team just had not come together in a cohesive way at all so what we really did was try to connect people to purpose, and I know sometimes that can be a trite saying, but I think that we, we did it in a really meaningful way. So we brought our physicians together and spent months developing a, a vision that we could all kind of latch on to. And then we brought everyone together for all the leaders together every month for about a year and really dove into the tough topics. You know, who were we as a team? What was important to us in terms of our reputation and, and the services we provide? And then what were our values? Um, and then the best part of it for me as the HR leader on that team is we put together vision workshops and they were these four hour workshops and we ended up having 96% of all employees and physicians attend. Um, and that was really about connecting people to their purpose and, um, you know, why did they get into nursing or why did they want to be a doctor in the first place and connecting them back to that. And the successful part of it is we increased employee engagement that year. Um, it started out at 58%, and we went to the mid-70s. And the year after that, we had um, over 80% engagement, which in healthcare is really hard to do, as you know. So that's probably one of the most meaningful um, times in my career. Do you find that engagement is somewhat similar or somewhat, you know, drastically different as it relates to, if you look at healthcare groups, so uh, doctors versus nurses versus, you know, your, your, your techs and your, your different uh, personnel inside of a, a you know, healthcare experience, is it, are you sort of applying the same principles or, or do you see sort of, I hate to put them in, you know, tribes or factions, but do you see them sort of having to really be engaged in a different way? 
Yeah, you know, I guess I go to really the basics, no matter what um, position somebody has in the organization, because if you get right down to kind of the most core meaning of engagement, it's really the emotional connection that people have with their organization. And once you have that emotional connection, then you're willing to go above and beyond. And so, you know, how to best get that emotional connection and deepen that for people might vary a little bit and how you try and get them engaged in the work or a committee or, you know, being um, more involved in the organization. It might vary a little bit in terms of tactics, but really it's just how to inspire and how to get people all around a common vision. And that, I think, exists the same for all of us. We we all want to be inspired and we all want to be on a high-performing team. So I try and, and think of it the same. Uh, for everybody in terms of just deepening that emotional connection. So if you look at this through the lens of human resources, really in an ideal situation, what do you feel is the role and how can can HR best um, be a part of shaping culture? Well, I'm, I might be biased because I'm HR, but I, I think we play a critical role in a couple of areas. And one is just making sure that the conversation is happening and that the work is happening. And I'm a big pr- proponent of that, that you should have a stated culture strategy um, that's written and everybody um, understands what their role is in that. Um, and so I think that we play a really important role. Now, ultimately, we, I think you know this, Chris, and, and I read your book, is that the CEO and the senior team ultimately own the overall health of the organization. Um, and so they play a very critical role, but I don't underestimate the role of HR at all. And I think if we're having the right conversations, we're there to serve the employees who are there to serve the patients. And if we don't put the employees and the patient and the employees at the forefront of our business, then I, I personally don't think we're thinking about our business the right way. Yeah, I, I agree. And that, um, you know, it's su- super important, I think, for HR to, to be viewed that way, for them to proceed that way. Um, I think often there's maybe some disalignment or some confusion, um, you know, where uh, where does this really come from? Um, and, and it's such a huge well, part. I think and, and... Yep. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think so often with engagement today, you know, sometimes as HR practitioners, we continue to fall back into the transactional work, right? Um, but I think, you know, and in, in if we're looking at it from a transactional standpoint, then I think we think it's about the survey and the follow-up action plan. And for me, that conversation is far more robust and it's at a strategic level and it gets right down to who are we as leaders and how do we want to act every day. Um, and that, I think, is the most critical part of engagement. So if we maybe now transfer, if we take it out of HR's uh, lens and we look at, you know, the leaders in the organizations that are in, you know, all sorts of different departments, uh, we know that the, you know, overwhelmingly large amount of the workforce in the United States is fairly uh, disengaged uh, or not engaged. Um, and so where do you feel leaders are maybe missing the opportunity today to maybe really engage with their employees or what, are, what sort of things can they, can they easily do today to start to, to change some of that? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, probably one of um, the biggest things that I do in my roles is really helping leaders understand how much of their role is really just demonstrating care and concern for their team members. And I think we get so consumed with tasks and checking things off the list and kind of looking at the financials and spreadsheets and all of that, um, that we just completely lose sight at times of how important it is to just go around and get to know your employees, to know, you know, what they care about, whether it's their family or a current concern that they have. But it's really, you know, showing that care and concern and leading with humility um, and creating a culture where everyone has each other's back. And I think, you know, quite frankly, in a lot of organizations today, that's not easy to do when blame and judgment are so often present in today's workplace. So that's the active role I think that leaders and HR, quite frankly, need to play is how to reteach, you know, and all of us in the workplace, how to move from blame and judgment and kind of pent up frustration to really being front and center where I can make a difference. I have a lot to give to this organization, and I'm going to put myself out there and take a risk because I believe people will have my back. And and it's not not simple. Um, I, the concept is simple, but it's not easy to do. But that that is how um, one of the ways that I coach leaders today. And and, and looking at your uh, how you're coaching leaders and your executive coaching as well, you know, is there a particular area that you're seeing uh, in that realm where you are consistently having to to work with leaders or an area maybe they are tend to be weak or tend to be confused or, or worried that they're not, you know, giving their best? Is there, you know, uh, kind of, a, I guess, a, a soft spot that you, you tend to hit as you're doing executive coaching? Yeah, that's a great question because I've been coaching on um, this regularly um, and was just talking to uh, another CEO, not my own, uh, the other day just around the importance of even having a culture strategy. You know, to to nurture it, you have to define what that work is and commit to a work to the work. And I happen to think that the higher that you go in the organization, the more that you go around all day and talk about culture and um, and talk about the importance of people. Um, and so I, I encourage leaders to stop thinking of it as the soft stuff um, and rather think of it as the competitive advantage that it can be. Um, so when you look at all the metrics out there today, you know, so often companies come up very close to each other when it comes to operations metrics and finance metrics and all of that. But the culture can be a real differentiator, and, and I believe that. So kind of the, the, the extra piece that I really lean on leaders about is to treat their role as a real honor. I see leadership that way. I don't think being a leader is always easy, but I definitely think it is an honor and one that we got to really take time to think about um, while we're racing off, you know, to, from meeting to meeting. We got to slow down and we got to actually engage with our employees in a way that they want us to. So I know you wrote a book uh, recently titled uh, Heart-Led Leader, um, and some of those stories that you share in there in the book really reflect your feelings about, you know, what is missing in today's leader. 
Um, can you share some about the book? What can people expect to to get out of it? What what types of people might you know ideally um, come to your book to find inspiration and knowledge? And you know what else would you like them to know about it? Yeah, and I actually didn't write the book, Chris. I wish I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I just I read the book, so it's called The Heart Led Leader by Tommy Spaulding, and um, I I read it just in the course of a few nights, and um, and each time I read another one of his wonderful stories, it just reminded me the importance of leading with heart and humility. Um, personally, I think it takes a lot of courage to lead with heart. It's much easier to go. Around and and manage tasks and not talk about some of the hard stuff. Um, but I personally believe that there's nothing that inspires employees more. And Tommy in this book just talks about the people that he's met in his life that have inspired him. Um, and they were really moving and, and really made me stop and think. And I think we all need um, to take time out and, and remember why we're leaders in the first place. So I, I loved uh, the book, and it would encourage anybody to read it. Well, great. Uh, you know, what advice um, do you provide on how leaders can effectively, you know, lead a people, lead people once they have that culture shadow? You talked about how important it is to have that. But, you know, once you have it, um, then how can leaders best, you know, execute on that? Yeah, great question. I think um, they got to keep talking about it all the time. It's amazing to me, and I need to remind myself of this, and I remind other leaders as well, um, how often leaders think that the culture is what it is. And, you know, you've talked about some of these same things, Chris, in your book, The Power of Company Culture, and it's why I loved your book as well, is we forget that culture is really just the attitude, beliefs, and behaviors of the current team, and therefore, culture can be shifted. And um, yes, it can easily be a few years' journey. Um, If you look at it from start to finish, I I think it's an aspirational thing. I don't think rarely does a company put a line in the sand and say, now we have a perfect culture. I think we're just always working towards it. But it is very much within our control every day and very much how we show up as leaders every day. Um, And so I think having a a culture strategy, I think defining it, I think talking about it, um, and then going out and and bringing your employees into it, whether it's doing a vision workshop like, you know, I did with the team many years ago, um, connecting people to their purpose. There's a variety of different ways to bring employees into it, because I think one of of the dangers, and, and I think we all kind of cringe at this when it gets to be the plaque on the wall, but nobody remembers it. And um, that, to me, is not necessarily a healthy sign of an active culture. Yeah, absolutely. And and it can be, it can be tough for people to, to really have those right things in place and to really be able to put those things forward. Um, maybe what are some of the top challenges you're seeing now as an HR leader uh, in your field um, with everything going on in our world? And I mentioned you know, you know, our, with our politics and our economy and everything else going on, are you seeing, you know, new challenges or is this the, it's the same thing, just a different day that you have to deal with, it, you know, in your in your world? Yeah, I think it is more, personally, I think it is more challenging today. Um, I think a number of things come to mind. And 
one of them is just how to deliver, you know, HR services and support with such a diverse workplace. And I think what some of our younger generation um, may need in order to be engaged is maybe different than those that are later in their career and different than those in the middle. And um, I think we have to keep asking. I know we all get worried about survey fatigue, and I don't think it's always about the survey. I think it's about the in-person conversation with people, but we need to keep asking them what they want and need in today's workplace. But I, as an HR leader, you know, um, struggle with trying to provide all of it to everyone because uh, we certainly would like to. Um, and then the other, another one is just how to help leaders engage with their employees when they're competing priorities. And sometimes leaders see engagement as a, as kind of a separate thing to check off the list rather than just being the way that you lead every day and the way you show up. So sometimes it's, it can be challenging to influence in that area. And then, of course, I'm passionate about the field of human resources, and so I would say the, the final thing that's always top of mind for me is just how, how to elevate our HR function and move it from transactional to strategic, because I happen to think that leadership is, is something that this country and our organizations desperately need and want all of us to be um, upping our game in terms of leadership, but that means human resources needs to as well, and we need to be at the table talking about it in the most strategic way. Yeah, and and so as we sort of take some of that um, and we kind of move it uh, into maybe a more personal thing, I'm wondering, sort of our favorite questions to ask our guests at the end, um, is to, to know if there's an app or a gadget or something you've added to your life you know, uh, this year that you might share with us? Yeah, it's a new one I just got on to. Um, I have a great new leader myself in this new organization, and she suggested Headspace. Um, and it's a meditation app. Um, I know many of us think, oh, my goodness, meditation. I've never meditated. Um, but I have been trying it out, and I just love it. It's definitely for those of us that have brains that can't slow down. Um, and, uh, yeah, so check it out, Chris. I think you'd really like it as well. Fantastic. And what about a book? Are you reading anything right now we might want to take a look at? Um, yeah, well, in addition to kind of the heart-led leader, I'm also rereading Gratitude Diaries. And for those of us that try and practice gratitude in our life, oh my goodness, it's the most heartwarming book and just such an inspiration. Um, and I really think it gets to, again, I know I keep talking about this, but how we show up as leaders and, and I link it to the role of gratitude with that. If we're grateful for our job, and we're grateful for everything we have in our life and grateful for our bosses. I think that shows up every day in, in the workplace. And um, so it's a great little book, an easy read, but it's called The Gratitude Diaries. Well, a great book and a short read is often exactly what people want. <laughs> yeah. So that's a great suggestion. You know, uh, we're just about out of time here, but want to make sure we ask, how can people get a hold of you? How can they learn more about Total Vision? Maybe they want to apply for a job or, or learn more. What's the best way for them to do that? 
Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn, so both my phone number and email, or you can send me a message through that. And my email is Lori.Shaw at TotalVisionLLC.com. And, uh, and like I said, you can check me out on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'd love to have people do that. And uh, Lori, thank you so much for joining uh, me today and being on the show. I learned a lot, and uh, hopefully we have you come back at some point and give us an update on everything you're doing. Great. Thanks a lot for having me, Chris. All right. Next week, my guests will include Ben uh, Moniz, the CEO of FAMA, and uh, Gerardo Martinez, the CEO of Triple Direct Leadership. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.